Welcome to K-Drama Musings, where you'll find reactions, reviews, and recommendations of K-Dramas and more. I am your host, Carol, and I'm delighted to have you with me today. If you like what you hear, I invite you to join me on Instagram at K-Dramas Musings for more fun content. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe. K-Drama Musings is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please give me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your support is deeply appreciated. Let's get to today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about perfect marriage revenge. Now, this drama, I think, has taken the whole K-drama community by surprise by how good it is because it feels unexpected. But after episode one and two, the hype was well-deserved and we're here to talk about it. I did not have this drama on my radar, to be honest, until one of my guests asked me if I was watching. And honestly, anytime Caitlin asks me, are you watching something? I know it has to go on my list right away. Like I have to get on my Zoom because Caitlin has the best (laughs) recommendations that um, you just have to watch. You just have to watch. So after I finished episode one and two, which I watched twice all the way through, I'm telling you, that's how much I love this show. And I had been blown away. Um, and my DMs were blowing up with others who were watching. So I'm very happy to be joined today for this mid-season review. Listeners, join me in welcoming my friends, Caitlin from No Sleep for Dramas and Na from K-Drama Bingo. Hi, everyone. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. And yes, I would have been very mad at Carol if she did not start this drama when I messaged her. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm also happy to be here. Uh, I'm I'm fangirling real hard because I love both of y'all's content. So it's incredibly fun to get to talk about this drama with you. I love the connection that we both have. Caitlin, I feel like Makjang is our thing and we're always going to be talking about Makjang dramas. So first we did Durian's Affair and here we are again for Perfect Marriage Revenge. And also for Na K-Drama Bingo, we've been following each other for... I feel about like, a year, I think. Yeah, about a year now. And it was only recently, I feel like this year, that we found out that we are both from Ghana. Uh, yeah, I have to stop you there because I, I knew from the beginning and you kept forgetting, which I found very funny. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, so listeners who are um, Ghanaian, uh, of Ghanaian descent, Carol's last name is so obviously Ghanaian. Um, and for some reason, no one had ever said that to her. <laughs> and I don't know why. I guess maybe because other people just think it's obvious. <laughs> so the first time I said that to you, Carol, you were like, oh, my gosh. Wow. OK. And I have uh, changed my last name. So it's not necessarily as obvious. 
Um, but okay. we actually definitely had that conversation probably five times over the past 12 months where Carol was like, wait, you're from Ghana. And I was like, Carol, <laughs> remember that story? Remember that post? Remember that DM? <laughs> you so know I what? I actually love it. I love it. You know what? I, I stand corrected. The thing is, yeah, in my defense, I don't see your name on your social media. So Correct. I only see K-Drama Bingo. Correct. And I'm talking to so many people. I've realized that I've been caught in my, <laughs> in my customer service voice where I'll just be DMing people and going back and forth. And, and then someone is like, we had this conversation. I have a lovely friend. Her name is Allison. And we've been following each other for a while now. And she's coming to see Jung Hae-in this, this next week <clears throat> on Friday. Yay, he's in town for a fan meet. And she lives in Seattle. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to come up. He's in Surrey, a town in, in Vancouver, greater Vancouver. And she's like, oh, I'm coming up and I'll see my parents. I was like, oh you live in Vancouver? She's like, no, I live in Seattle. She was very nice. She didn't call me out. We also had the conversation. And I was just like, Carol, you need to do better. I need to start scrolling up. You know, a quick scroll. But honestly, it's so relatable because one of the great things about this community is actually that there are, in some ways it feels small, but there's actually a lot of people who are just happy to share our love of dramas with each other so you get into someone's dms and you're messaging back and forth and you know you forget their name because you know their handle and yeah it just goes back and forth so honestly i find it just another lovely sign that um people are so welcoming of each other and chatting with each other and yeah like our you know our real life identities don't necessarily matter as much as our shared um joy and dramas now, now, since this is your first time here on this podcast, can you tell us how did you get into K-dramas and what yeah. are your top three? Absolutely. Um, so I actually first started watching K-dramas in 2018. Um, and it was at the recommendation of a Korean American friend of mine, uh, because for many years, actually, I had been looking for stories and entertainment that really centered people of color. And so she recommended uh, My Lovely Samsung. And she actually doesn't watch K-dramas much now as an adult, but she watched them a bit growing up. Yeah. Um, and I really did not want to disappoint her. So I did force myself to finish it. But that drama is not one, I think, that has aged well for people who didn't watch it when it was airing. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> I struggled. But somehow even though I didn't actually enjoy it, I kind of got hooked. You know, I watched it on Vicky and there was so much other content. So I just kept watching Asian dramas ever since. And um, when I decided to take the leap into being an entrepreneur, one of the brands I started uh, was about K-dramas because I love them so, so much. So that, you know, that's what K-drama bingo is. It's all about fan activities and a journal for other people who love dramas and drama tropes um so yeah I I am a fan but I also <laughs> turned it into my business because I, that's how obsessed I am with dramas uh, in terms of my my top three dramas I don't have a particular order but 
definitely it's okay to not be okay. What's wrong with Secretary Kim and my mister? And, you know, obviously there's pros and cons of all of those, but those are the ones that, uh, whether I rewatch them or not, have yeah. like hit me in my feels and given me something to think about that's changed the way that I approach life. So, yeah, those are those are my top dramas. I love that. Thank you for sharing with us. I do like What's Wrong with Secretary Kim and My Mister. It's okay not to be okay. It was a solid, you know, drama, but I don't know. I like It's Okay That's Love better. You know, <laughs> I know that um, <laughs> for the listeners, they're both laughing at me because of the face I just pulled. Um, I do know that people like to contrast those two dramas. Uh, and I do understand why, because there's not necessarily so so many k-dramas that um so explicitly dwell on on issues of mental health but i personally think it's inappropriate to compare them so i'll just leave it at that okay okay i i will give that to you it's okay we'll go further um (laughs) caitlin i don't think i've ever asked you what your top three dramas are what are yours i don't know (laughs) um Oh, before we answer that question, have you watched Daily Dose of Sunshine? Or I have not yet, so I, I have not I yet. I don't have a I comment have. on that. I'm trying not to do too many currently airing dramas. Uh, uh, okay. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna wait until it's all out there. And as much as I love Park Bo Young, her track record for choosing projects is deeply inconsistent. Um, witness Abyss. So <laughs> true, true, um, very true. There's nothing about this yet that's giving me like abyss level vibes, but I'm just going to wait and hear what other people say first. Wait, a- apart from abyss, with which was abysmal, um, <laughs> I don't think her other dramas have been that bad. I also don't think anything else could possibly be that bad that she would agree to work in however they are definitely inconsistent that's Being true at your service was oh disappointing yeah um we'll leave it at that <laughs> i call that one the bootleg goblin wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. it was it was it was too similar and i ugh. Soinguk, I love Soinguk, but I don't think that was the story I wanted to see them in. I'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, side note, I'm glad that you brought up that you love Soinguk. I love him so much that I keep accidentally calling our main lead of today's drama, Doguk Soinguk, both out loud and in my head. So apologies in advance if I say Soinguk today, because I do know that is not the character or the actor. <laughs> okay, Caitlin, back to you. Um, I just I I don't know what my favorites are because they are constantly changing. Okay. Um, so like I'll I'll just name some that I like I older ones that I love just because, and again not in any particular order, but I love crime dramas. So most of my favorites are crime dramas, and not 
romance dramas, <laughs> which is like you'll you'll probably question why I'm naming these because it's like, dude, this is like the most brutal crime drama <laughs> you could possibly watch. Why is this one of your favorites? <laughs> um, so like one of like the classic crime dramas I love is Voice season one. Oh, oh season oh, one. Okay, I love the distinction. Yeah. Okay. Because- okay. It's the best of the seasons, in my opinion. I didn't I even I didn't even finish season four. So <laughs> supposedly we're getting a season five next year. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I think it needs to rest, but a season one was. Fantastic. I think we need the original cast back. That's that's <laughs> yes. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. I also love Tunnel. Um, that's another classic crime drama that will always be one of my favorites um stranger is another classic that is like one of my favorites as well i'm there with you yeah today is a little different because we're talking about someone who i thought i did not like i really I really was not a fan of um, Sung Hoon. So mm. I'm very humbled and excited to be fangirling in this moment about perfect marriage revenge. So let's talk about it. Now, this is a drama that is adapted from a webtoon called The Essence of a Perfect Marriage, written by Young and Ibambe and illustrated by Jerry Bo. This drama is directed by Park In-jae, who directed Love Featuring Marriage and Divorce 3 and Poseidon. And it's written by Imsara, who wrote Feel Good to Die. The cast. I already mentioned Sung Hoon. He plays Sodaguk as our main male lead. Jang Yumin plays Han Yuju, who is our main female lead, whose story we are watching. There is Jin Jin Hee, who plays Han Yu Ra. She's the little sister of um, Han Yuju. Kang Shi Hyo, who plays So Jung Wook. He is the, I guess, our antagonist in the show. One of our many antagonists in the show. He is the stepbrother of So Gook. Yu Se-hyuk, who used to be the ex-husband, who is the ex-husband of Han Yu-ju, and Yi Jung-hae, who's played by Yi Min-young, and she is the stepmother of Han Yu-ju. Okay, what drew you to the drama, to watch this particular drama? Well, Caitlin, I would definitely want to hear your answer, since it sounds like you were the only one who had a reason (laughs) going in. Oh, I mean, like the minute I read the synopsis, I was like, I don't really care even who's in this. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Like, <laughs> you have Mokjong, you have Revenge, you have Time Travel. Like, that is my stuff. Like, the more crazy, the better a Mokjong can be. So, and this isn't even, in my opinion, this is not, like, it's, it's Mokjong, yes, but it's not Mokjong, Mokjong. Like, no, it's like entry-level Mokjong. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually why ent- I like it. Yeah, it's a good um, entry-level Mokjong, because I'm used to watching, as Carol knows, like, I'm used to watching the daily dramas where, like, right. every other episode you have somebody cheating or there's a slap Kim somewhere. Slap. Or, yeah, or, <laughs> or a birth secret. Like, this is tame compared to what I watch, so. 
I mean, all those, well, we haven't had a kimchi slap. All the rest of it is still here too. So, you know, we've still got our our (laughs) pillar recognizable drama tropes, but I totally hear you on that. Yeah. Um, You know, after watching the first few episodes, I am very surprised that Jin Jin Hee is not or was not in Penthouse. I think she would have bodied a role if she were in Penthouse or Sky Castle. Yeah. I'm super confused. I thought she was, but to be completely clear, I didn't watch it. I also didn't watch it, so maybe she was. No, she was. was. No, she was in all three seasons. Oh. I did not not watch Penta. I did not, so I don't know. Seasons one, two, and three, she was a support role. Nah, nah, nah. I watched watched Penthouse until the ending of season two. I didn't go into season three because of that mess. But, okay, it makes sense. I'm glad she was in it. Let's let's jump into it. Right now, we just finished. Caitlin, have you watched episode six? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we all finished episode six. What are your thoughts? Let's go. Let's jump in. Wait, wait, wait. Our thoughts on episode six? Or like, are we just starting anywhere? Anywhere. 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 Yo, okay. I, I have to just, <laughs> let me just say. <laughs> this show, I actually intentionally did not watch episode one, but I saw people make all this great social media content and I watched episode two and I was hooked immediately. I have never seen someone slash a wedding dress with a pen and I was here for it (laughs) it was amazing and there's so many high points I would say but overall my impression of this show is just obsession it has um I think it's for me it has been a highlight of of the drama year for me in a year that felt fairly lackluster um certainly in terms of Korean dramas but frankly, for me, just uh, dramas in general. And so um, it feels like it's kind of like rejuvenated my yeah. love um, and is, you know, my entry out of my dr- current drama slump. And so uh, I, I just love it for that reason. And um, as you guys both know, after watching episode two, I was so enthralled with the story that I went to find the original webtoon and it's on the webtoon neighbor app. Uh, there is an official English translation and almost all of the chapters are free. So I literally in the 30 hour period between like discovering this existed and the next 30 hours, I guess I shouldn't have said in the 30 hour period. But anyway, I literally went and like read 109 chapters. So nice. Um, you know, it. I love it. I love it completely. But I'm also like trying really hard not to say anything spoilery. Although the fact that by episode four, it started diverging from the webtoon. I think there's lots of of surprises in store. Yeah, I've heard they, I don't think the webtoon is finished either. I heard the webtoon isn't, I have no idea if the original is, but you know, it's all, it's all based on a web novel. So I'm fairly certain the original story is at least finished. Okay. Yeah. I I also want, I mean, rarely does a K-drama make me want to watch or find the webtoon and read it this one definitely does um but as i was googling it i read somewhere that it wasn't finished so i was like do i want to start reading it or not um but again 
but again, I don't know, as you said, like that might just be the English translations or whatever. Um, but yeah, I also love this drama and I'm kind of obsessed with it. But again, it's not really surprising that I love it so much. This is, this is like, is my name would be like in the synopsis of this drama. <laughs> so. Wait, wait, I hope you mean like as a fan, not as somebody who's experienced any of these storylines. <laughs> no, be as a fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I heard that the stepmother, apparently they wrote her more evil in the drama than she is in the webtoon. That's what yeah. I heard. That's oh, really? Okay. okay. I heard I heard that somewhere. <laughs> so. oh, she, yeah, no, she's pretty evil in the... Oh, okay. Okay. In the oh, webtoon. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I've already mentioned I loved the drama too and I think that um when I'm thinking about the timing of it I feel like I started my year with a revenge drama the glory and I got into oh nah did you not like the glory I haven't watched it oh mm. I refuse I can't watch things like that okay mm. okay okay those things I can't honestly only only first episode is the worst if you get past the first episode it's not that bad just just saying that but it's okay you don't it's okay you don't have to are you gonna sing me to sleep when I have nightmares Caitlin I can't (laughs) (laughs) I mean I guess I could just listen to all your guest appearances on on podcast so I guess we could try that I I started with the glory. I went into some of the lovey-dovey stuff. I did some crime stuff. I tried to do some horror. Did not work for me. And I just feel like this is just the perfect drama to feel rejuvenated again, as you said, because I don't think this year has been amazing for dramas. I feel like this quarter of the year is when everything started getting good and yeah mm -hmm. it feels very similar to american tv where all the really good shows start up again in september october so it's yeah i guess it's fitting it makes me feel like we've wasted a lot of time this year though (laughs) yeah yeah and of course we all know that there were all the implications of strikes in the u.s and yeah. considerations in the korean market considering the um the impact of american companies right there. so uh, i'm not saying that had an actual um impact on the quality of k-dramas but i do think it's been a particularly unusual year in this space um right yeah i agree Okay, let's talk our characters in Perfect Marriage Revenge. So uh, we'll start with actually Han Yiju, since she's our main lady, and we're talking about her story, or we're watching her story. I really feel bad for her, because I I feel like she's been dealt a horrible card. And honestly, after today's episode, (laughs) it is clear to me that she has more power than she believes and she's ready to use that power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I almost did drop episode one because I was so frustrated with how naive she yeah. was or mm-hmm. how naive she came across. 
And at the end of episode one, when she ripped her dress, I was like, okay, okay, we're in business. We're back, baby. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see her come into herself and come into her power, if you will, and how she can, um, I guess, change her past or change her narrative. What about you guys? I agree. I'm glad I didn't, having heard people's reactions to episode one, I'm glad I didn't watch it because nobody enjoys watching a doormat. And um, one of the things that I think that the actress, um, Jung Hee Min, does so well is the smirk that yes. she slips into every time Eju recollects herself and taps into her rage. And it is just so masterful. I think that's the thing that, I mean, that's the essence of a revenge drama, right? Like, is feeling the righteous flames of the revenge. And so I just really love those moments. And um, for me, there's like a couple of quotes that like really encapsulate that, you know, in episode two, when the reporter friend is like, Haniju, you are really in your villain phrase phase, right? And I was like, yes, be yes. a villainess. Okay, exactly. that's, that's what we're here for. Um, and then there's a moment uh, in, in the most recent episode where she says, like it's, or she's thinking to herself uh, during the wedding yes mothers stay enraged because mm -hmm. no matter how enraged you are it's so minute and nothing compared to my rage and for me again that's like that's what an revenge drama is about it's about an, a character who feels that swelling of power and fully owns it and and channels it and so i really love those moments where we see uh you doing that yeah i i think that I loved seeing the switch she did from episode one to episode two and then seeing people's reactions to that because obviously no one anticipated it. Um, I have to say there have been some moments in the later episodes when she kind of reverts back to that episode one where I'm just like, come on, girl, <laughs> like you can do this. Yeah. Um, so, so, and so that has been a little irksome like it's not annoying or anything but i'm just like can we just stick to the revenge personality <laughs> yeah um because like overall we know she doesn't want to go back to the episode one life and she does want the revenge um but then she like hears i don't know she hears a secret and she like goes up into a ball like rolls up into a ball and like stays there for an episode and i was just like girl <laughs> yeah um, but for I me i think i found those moments even more frustrating than you're describing caitlin because that is not in the webtoon so those are choices in this adaptation that i assume it's a 12 episode drama like uh, i am assuming that a lot of those differences that i'm noticing are because of the necessities of the pace and how they want to maintain tension or whatnot um but yeah it's it's really but, but hard to see i wanna i wanna say something in defense of her don't you think that first of all this is the first time she's in her villain era 
and she did not have all the facts that she needed to, you know, go about her revenge. And mm-hmm. it feels like secrets are being revealed bit by bit to her. Is it not fair to assume that she will be knocked down off her game for even a day or two and then come back? And that's why Sung Hoon's character is there. So the cook is there to shake her up and be like, snap out of it. This is what we're doing. I mean, yes, it is fair. And also, um, for someone like me, I know the story didn't have to go that way. And so... I wonder why they made that choice. It's clearly an intentional choice on the part of the writer. Um, only time will tell once we see the second half of the drama. Yeah. You know, how that's going to bear out. But like at a human level, does it make more sense that she's vulnerable instead of like Insta Superwoman, like always high on rage? Of course it does. And also it's still like, but, but. You know, um, there could have been a little less curled up into the ball and a little bit more of that energy where she's saying everybody else's feelings are minute. I think I think what annoyed me the most about her curling up into a ball and I do get it. I get why she's making this choice. But I'm just like, as you said, Carol, like Sung Hoon is there. Like, why not? He and he's offering to help. It's not like he's just there. He's like. I want to help you, like, use me. And she's off in the corner, curled up in the ball, dealing with this. I'm just like, why don't you just, like, go grab a drink with the man and, like, cry and tell him all of this stuff? Because you obviously are going to be married and he should know. I mean, granted, it did happen eventually, but still, it's like, that was more of my thought process when she went... And curled yeah. up in the ball. It wasn't the fact she was doing it. It was the fact that Sungum was there and he was there offering his services, and she was not. She was not utilizing those services. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I actually fully agree with you, Caitlin. Um, and I don't want to be that annoying uh, devil's advocate, uh, mansplainer type of person. To be clear, our dear listeners, I am not a man. I don't identify as a man. However. um hearing you say that out loud does remind me like she does say like I don't know how to rely on people I don't trust people so again yeah yeah, whatever I guess it makes sense that even though he's right there being swoony and being supportive and being like vengeance has no that's not the phrase whatever hell hath no fury right like let's bring on your vengeance she doesn't know yet how to accept that pro-offered partnership okay okay actually the part that really annoyed me was when she was going around trying to fix his life but not fixing hers yeah that yeah, part talk about I, it. Let's I was talk just about like that. sis it's none of your business the relationship he has with your brother I know the deal you made with his mom but that doesn't factor into the job that you have to do. And this is the moment where I, I request that the three of us must talk again when this drama is over, uh, whether it's recorded or not, because Absolutely. I have lots of beef with the framing of the conflict between the brothers, again, in comparison to how it could have been. 
but you know, that's what happens with adaptations. Um, yeah. And really, I think they're trying to be as makjang as they possibly can. So it will be ridiculous. I feel like they could have been more makjang though. (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. Actually, every, all the evil people are way more evil in the webtoon. Yeah. No way. And I find it incredibly strange. Um, some of the choices that have been made that give people not even a rationale per se, but like are like, this is why this villainous person might have blah, 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 a motivation. It's like, no, they're all just evil. They're all just bad. <laughs> right. You know, we didn't have to redeem them in any way. Okay. Um, I hope, I personally hope there will be no redemptive arcs for any of these characters because then where's the revenge so i guess we'll we'll have to find out that's true that's true okay what about sung hoon as a character <laughs> greenest so of green dope. flags in yeah. my... <laughs> bingo caitlin said it like i have a theory on him though my theory was on episode three or so that he was the other person in the car like in the other car so in episode one, when she hit the car doing the U-turn and then the truck hit her, he was the driver of the other car. And then the white truck was sent by his brother to kill him. But because she drove in front of him and hit him, no. she took the brunt of the truck. That was my th- That's my theory. Because in, in like episode one, when she's in the gallery... Or maybe it's episode two. I think it's episode one. When she's in the gallery and they meet for the first time in the lobby, he seemed really knowledgeable of her life. And that always struck me as weird. So then when the accident happened, I was like, oh, crap. Did he go back in time before she did? And, like, was trying to change her life and his life, but her life specifically, to... Because, I don't know, he knew that she hit him or something. And then the accident still, quote unquote, happened. And then she got sent back. That was my thinking. Because, like, it, just in episode one, he seemed, like, too invested in her life with only of never, quote unquote, never meeting her. Um, so I found that just really weird. And then we had in episode five, five, six, he looked at the drawings. Yes. And- started having a panic attack about car drawings and i don't know if that happened. confirms it i don't know if it's i don't know if that confirms it or not and yeah he could he could have also been involved in another accident i mean we know he's afraid of water so but that that was that has been my theory with his character is he was the other person in the car and the white truck was sent by his brother i'm going to recuse myself on this one so carol what do you think <laughs> Okay, I love his character. I think he, like you said, Caitlin, he's filled with so many green flags. I am curious to find out, is he a green flag because of guilt or that's who he Mm. is? And um, Mm. the thing that I love about him is that um, if I'm compare, I can't compare. Right now, the only man in my head is Lee Jung-hyun from my dearest that's <laughs> <laughs> wow okay wow. okay <laughs> okay biggest green flag just yeah worldwide green flag 
Mr. Worldwide, okay. (laughs) But Sung Hoon's character, I feel like he's a protector, provider, encourager. I am curious about him, like you, Caitlin, because episode two, when they met at the hotel lobby, he clearly knew who she was. And I Mm -hmm. felt like there was more to that than they had shown in just episode two. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, I will agree on the green flag. Like, I think that So Doguk is the partner everybody wants. He's the person who loves you more than you realize. He's the person who backs up the goals that you set for yourself, right? And is always there, like, boosting and defending you, but also lets you shine. And so um, I'm very curious to see how that manifests um in the rest of the show and i'm sure we'll get to it at some point but like i think uh i think their honeymoon the (laughs) wedding itself and the honeymoon are just like excellent examples of that yeah Uh yeah yeah i agree and i love that he was opening up at his own pace because Uh in episode was it four or five where she's meddling in this brother business and he's like hey four yeah four yeah He's like, hey, don't, don't touch me if you're not ready to handle it. Like, that was a great, that was a great line. That was a great line. But it was very much him saying, don't, don't cross the line. You're crossing the line right now. Post wedding and there at the beach, we do see him opening up and telling Mm -hmm. her the story, which I really liked, but it was at his own pace, which I appreciated. No one was pushing him. I do love that he's very, I don't, I don't want to say he's pushy, but he has a way of spurring her into action because she feels he's got her back so Mm -hmm. she can move forward and, you know, helping her financially, whether it was paying for that arts thing or whatever it is. He's just like, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you, which I, yeah, I love that about him. Mm -hmm. My question though is, why is Yuseok, her ex, still in this story? Because at this point, both sisters don't don't like you. I don't know what he like. So the the scene that made me really angry with him was in scene in episode five when she's trying on wedding dresses and he's there. Yes, it's I'm like, just what like, the fuck. Were you thinking? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that yeah. one allowed? That's Go okay. Ahead. Never mind. That's, That's okay. <laughs> so. Like, one, I did not like her reaction to him because I'm just like, girl, just slap him already. But two, it's like, it's like, he's like, he doesn't know what he wants. Like, it's the classic thing of like, he didn't like her when they were engaged because he wanted the sister. But now because she's getting married to his boss, who clearly likes her and wants to treat her well, she he now is interested in her. And it drives me nuts when this always happens because it's not like he's actually interested in her. He Bingo. Just, he wants what he can't have and wants to prove that he's like the quote-unquote better choice, not realizing she's never going to go back to him. Like she doesn't like him anymore at all. Yeah, not only that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That was all. That's all I wanted to say. No, I think that hits the nail on the head. And on top of all that, it's like 
every time, whether starting in episode two throughout, everything he says is, you liked me so much. And that's what he tells that that mm-hmm. weird confrontation at work. Yeah. Every time he talks to her, he's like, you liked me so much. He never even pretends that he liked her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so clearly an ego thing where he's like, and actually, I think she she even nailed it in episode two um, when Iju says, um, like, you liked me because I came from a rich family, but because you didn't feel inferior since I'm adopted. And this whole thing where she has now clearly progressed to a much better man is making him feel inferior. And he yeah. already felt inferior because the woman he actually wanted didn't they want him. Mind. So he downgraded. And then now he feels inferior because even the woman he thought wanted him upgraded. And so it's just like this right. constant um, imposition of his of his inferiority complex on her. And so I agree. I, I really thought his character would fade by now. And yeah. his storyline, especially in episode six, is one of the biggest departures where I was like, where this where did this come from? Like I like I know we haven't finished our character breakdown, so I won't get too much into it. But starting from that club scene with Yura, I was like, I don't understand what you two are doing separately or together. Right. I don't. I don't appreciate that this implies you're going to have more airtime in future episodes. It's <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. I cannot wait until he finds out that she's actually the heir to everything. Because it's like, like we knew that was coming. I didn't. I actually did not predict that it was going to be her own family who adopted her, though. Like yeah. I thought it was going to be like some random other family. Yeah. Um. So I didn't predict that part, but like the fact that he like, as you said, is specifically trying to be inferior because she was adopted and not the quote unquote real heir. And now it actually in episode six was revealed she is. Uh, I can't wait to see that reaction mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe that's why they're keeping him around so that yeah. he'll yeah. get to see that. Um, also, I can't wait to see his reaction to when he realizes Yura is now engaged to the brother. Because <laughs> it's like, now you lost both of them. <laughs> to that was a family. very interesting twist of 15 minutes right there at the end yeah. of episode yeah. six. Yeah. Um, yeah 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 when he i guess had his his one night stand with yura and all of a sudden breakfast time he's like yeah we're dating and it's gonna be sis is like what where is he getting this from yura is to me very manipulative and i think she is more evil than her mom right now just because of she's even able to manipulate her mom right Uh Yeah. And her, I call her my annoying bed bug from Paris. (laughs) (laughs) I just find her character so annoying. I want to just fling her away. Like, what is your purpose? Where do you get all this entitlement? And I, I, I guess I blame her mom for putting that in her, making her feel like, uh, Han Yuju is inferior because she was adopted and the preferential treatment she got because of it um, has made her into who she is. As for the stepbrother, stepbrother, you know what's interesting? Yeah, 
Let's talk about it. Or I half, really half brother, step brother, half, bro- half, half brother, half yeah. brother, half brother. I really love Sodongook's family mm-hmm. because they yeah. are so unproblematic, and yeah. I feel like they are very. They start learning these things about Han Yuju, and they want to come to her defense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's the like she's found a home in them. And you mm-hmm. can clearly see that this half brother is the problem in the family mm-hmm. right. because of all the hiccups that he has been through and that he has. So I think that I've never seen a Chaebol family period that was so loving. Yeah. Um, I'm, tr- I'm really trying to think of an example. Um, and uh, Durian's affair. I would say that family was... Oh. Fair enough. I haven't seen that, so that's okay. fair. Um, that was pretty. But, yeah. you know, it's incredibly rare to see a loving entire family unit that uh, for a Chaebol family. Like, usually it's like little factions and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy that as well. Um, the beef that I have, and again, I'm trying to say this in a, in a very unspoilery way, knowing that these yeah. things might not even manifest in the drama anyway. But um, what I don't appreciate is that in episode six, we get this, uh, I think it was six, not five, but we get this clear framing of like, it was partly Dogook's fault that his brother turned out this way, right? Uh-huh. And and to be clear, he Dogook himself says that, right? When he's talking to Iju. And that bothers the hell out of me because... Again, it makes the character, his half-brother, less evil when you're like, he was reacting to being teased by his brother. He was pushed into the ocean. Like, no, no. He's not evil because his little brother dropped his mother's precious cell phone into the sea, right? And so uh, to me, that is a strange choice um, to give him some supposedly plausible motivation and for Dilguk to take on that guilt of being like, you know, you know, it was partly my fault. Yeah. I I see where you're coming from, but honestly, I don't see that framing more so to make the half brother seem less evil, if you will. I think it's, I see it more as on Sodoguk's part, he has a lot of work to do with self-love. And I'm saying that because when he's having a conversation with Yiju and he's just like, I know you don't like me or whatever, but just use me. I'm here. And I'm like, bruh, I want more for you. I want you to like, no, I want you to like me back and, and, you know, whatever. That and the fact that he's still blaming himself for what happened to his brother, it makes me feel like he really wanted the love of his brother. He wanted to get along with him. And because he isn't, he has taken that as his cross to bear. And he feels like he has tried so much to fix the relationship. Nothing is happening. They're enemies now. So it is what it is. But I definitely want more love for Sodomuk. Yeah. I want. I just want six more episodes. I really need to see <laughs> what's happening here. <laughs> I, so what do you guys think, and I mean, I know you've read the webtoon, so I don't know, but like, what do you guys think is going to happen when that clock runs out? I actually don't know, because in the webtoon, uh, 
hasn't ha- or you know at least by chapter 111 that hasn't happened yet mm. okay so in episode six we see that sodonguk also has the time on his hands yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i feel like they're both gonna die i mean the only reason i don't think that is because in revenge drama somebody has to be left to tell the tale right that's true so I feel like they're going to reach the point of the end that they have. Or, like, I can't remember whose was first, like, whose came time first. But I feel like they're going to either, like, die together, and then they're going to go back in time again and just live out their life with the full knowledge of what they're doing, or they're just going to wake up the next day or whatever, and it's just going to be like, hey, now live your life. Or if there is like a time difference or something where someone goes first versus the other, that person's going to go first and the other person left behind will figure out a way to reset everything and find them and then they get a happy ending. That is my two theories. Okay. I definitely believe that there will be a happy ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think so. Which is not something I always think heading into revenge dramas. Like Eve... (laughs) Eve was interesting (laughs) um, and there was no need for a happy ending in that mess but this one is giving like how can you have a character like Sodogook and there's not a happy ending yeah how do you have such a positive Chabal family and then there's not a happy ending so yeah um yeah I think I am honestly like it hadn't even really occurred to me to be curious like what the end will be I think for me, I'm just super curious what the mess of the process is Revenge, be. yeah, yeah. Because honestly, the revenge has, like, it started, but also hasn't started. Yeah, like, all yeah. of episode five was, again, unless it's in the web novel, it was, like, t- totally new content. Uh-huh. Um, and so, to me, I was kind of like, why are we dwelling on all this? Like, we need, um, we need the action. We need her... Uh, you know her rage to really kick in and I I can only assume that it's all the setup for the dominoes that are about to fall in the coming episodes right yeah yeah okay speaking of the setup and what is coming I'd love for us to talk about what are some of your favorite scenes and then we'd move to what would you like to see in the next six episodes so I mean, we already talked about just that that entire badass moment of ripping the wedding dress and saying, I'm I'm heading off to like notify that people people that the wedding is off, including my family and the woman you love. So that to me was just, you know, the most perfect hook and clincher. But I also I really liked the moment where um Doguk puts up Iju's hair in the hotel when she's drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, it's where we first see the tenderness of his feelings coming through for her. Right. Um, and there's something in his face that feels a little like disbelieving, like he can't believe it's happening and a little bit hopeful, you Mm -hmm. know, I really enjoyed seeing that moment. Um, (laughs) and then I don't know that it was like a favorite scene, but definitely like an honorable mention is um, when Iju's grandfather tried to give back the cash and then pulled down <laughs> Doguk's grandmother's pants. I was like, what the heck is this? 
what is going on? I really want a window into this writer's mind. Um, yeah, I don't even know where that came from, but it was certainly funny. <laughs> so for me, a uh, side note, is the only other role I've ever seen the grandmother in is she was a really evil grandmother in one of my daily dramas. Oh. So like, every time I look at her, I'm like, how can you be this nice? Because you were absolutely evil and then got killed off in this daily drama I was watching. Because um, she like murdered her grandchild and then like gave away another grandchild for adoption in this drama. It was ridiculous. Oh, wow. Oh, that's bad. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, one of my favorite scenes was... All of the, well, one of them was when her fiance came back to her and like basically kneeled in front of her and was like trying oh, in to. episode two. Yeah, trying to like quote unquote win her back. Um, that was, I just liked seeing that scene. And then just in the, what it's not like any particular scene, but like anytime she has like a, either reveals something that she did to get little revenges against her family, specifically her stepsister or stepmother. Well, I guess, is she a stepmother? Like, they adopted her, yeah. so I guess not really. Yeah. No, but she, oh, I see what you mean, like, legally not she's yet. her mother. Yeah. Yeah, let's call her stepmother. It's Step more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I kind of I kind of liked all of those scenes where it was just, like, she getting her little, little revenge or saying something really smirky and then doing that smirk that we all love just those little things i loved any time um sodongook's character pushes her to actually say what she's thinking mm, yeah i always squeal when he does that and i won't lie every time they have banter like they go back and forth whether it's teasing her about hey like do you want me or something like that i'm just like oh my god banter <laughs> y'all banter is my thing you just need yeah. to say a few words for me to pay attention i'm just like ooh, oh okay so i enjoyed that i loved when he actually overheard what the mother was saying to her in her bedroom mm -hmm. and just like pulled her out mm -hmm. right like you, Caitlin, I loved the scene where she actually told her ex, like, you're actually pitiful. You're just like me. You're mm -hmm. saying X, Y, and Z about me, but look in the mirror. You're the same. Yeah. I loved it so much that as soon as I finished the episode, not even finished, between, as soon as she walked out, I saw her outfit. I was like, that is the outfit for me. And I went online to search for it. Are you joking? I'm not joking. <laughs> I loved the silk skirt and the button-up shirt and the monochrome look. Oh, yeah, I bought an outfit. It was it was a good look. <laughs> Dang. Oh, two other that wasn't even PPL, and it totally worked on you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. PPL gets me like, yeah, you don't have except Subway, but you don't have to do too much. <laughs> two other things I liked was the scene where the stepsister and the uh, Doguk sister meets up in the mall. Yes. And her like stepsister was trying to badmouth her mm -hmm. and make her seem crazy. And the sister was like, Doguk's sister was like, I'm just going to figure it out for myself. And 
I'll make my own judgments. And even the fiance sister was like, yeah, but she's bad. Like, oh, I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing. I love, <laughs> I love his sister. I wish I we got yes. more of her. Yes, um, yes. And then the other one that I forgot to mention was the time when I think after they met the family and Doguk's mom was sitting in the living room just making comments of like how horrible her family was. And like, mm -hmm. do you think she was, a, is that abuse? They did that for 20 years. Is that abuse? And all of her family around her was like, you like her, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That was a great scene. That yeah, was I like wonderful. That you know, one that like, was uh it piqued my interest is um that time where Iju calls um Doguk to save her the first time and he's like oh you have to say rescue me my prince and she says uh rescue me you primo dummy okay the reason that it, it piqued my interest is because I was like you know Vicky Subbers work real hard I don't know where anyone got the phrase primo dummy. I have no idea, but I want to know what the original Korean insult was. I want to know because primo dummy is not a thing people walk around saying. So they must have worked real hard trying to figure out Prince to primo dummy. And I want to know what she actually said. It must have been so funny. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'll find out and, and share with everyone on socials. But please do. Yeah. That's a very good point. I missed that. She did not say Prince Same. and he still came. Yes. And he, he still did. showed up. So he did. In terms of favorite quotes, one that I really liked that you actually shared with us this morning, uh, Nat, was when she, I guess it was the mom's secretary, they confront each other and he's like, you're not acting like yourself. Like what's going on? And then she says, I can change however I want, whenever I want. You don't get to decide what being myself is for me. Mm -hmm. And that really sat with me because I feel like in doing life, you sort of get into this, oh, this is my role. And all of a sudden when you don't want it anymore. I find that for myself, sometimes I'm fighting the, no, but this is what I'm supposed to do versus this is what I want to do, or this is where I want to go. So I really like that yeah. she had that moment. I think that's so true. I'm, I think it happens to a lot of people. And um, there was something particularly powerful about seeing her as a woman push back to this man and just say, you know, you don't get to decide what being like me means. Um, so, you know, kind of like what Caitlin was saying earlier, like, I hope she holds on to that energy and, yeah. and keeps believing that. Um, and I, I trust she will. Like, there's a moment in episode, wait, actually, I'm trying to remember if it's actually part of episode six or it's the teaser we saw at the end of episode six, where she tells Yura, like, I don't know why you think I'm the fake. I think maybe it's a teaser for episode I think it's a teaser. teaser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And she says, like, I don't know why you think I'm the fake, blah, blah, blah. And so just that ownership of like, I decide who I am. Yeah. Obviously, she's talking about the like the strictly like biological news there, but like there's more to the, the energy she's bringing. So I hope that she really continues to embody that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think the bodyguard, not the bodyguard, the secretary knows she's actually the daughter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. I He's mean, the one he... he does all the dirty little secrets. Of course right. he knows. He was the right, one. Right. He probably was the one that, like, did the research and found her in the uh, in the orphanage anyway. 
I don't think so because I think they're similar in age. Um, although it's it's hard to tell. I feel like he's definitely I and I didn't actually look up the actor, so I feel like he's one of those people of like indeterminate age. You know, he could be twenty. Well, he's not twenty three. I don't think, but you know what I he's, mean. Like he's only been acting for a year. Oh, really? Yeah, he's only done. I think his debut. I have him pulled up right here because I actually was gonna. Uh, his first role was a guest role in Wuri the Virgin okay. in oh. And then he had a, his first supporting role was in Alice the Final Weapon. And then he was in supporting, he's been in supporting roles the entire time so far. I mean, but that is... He is 33, if that okay. answers your question. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... You know, the grandfather said he ordered a paternity test or whatever, but the fact that the stepmom knew the results, even though the dad didn't, to me, yeah. implies that the secretary had Did some something. role. Um, yeah. Speaking of dad, is he being poisoned by his wife? Yes, absolutely. First Either all, that or she's planning on doing it. No, absolutely, yes. Also, that so this goes back to what I was saying earlier of like assumptions when you live alone. I feel like I said this while we were recording, maybe not. Sorry, listeners, if you don't understand the context of what I'm saying. But as a person who lives alone, I cannot imagine taking pills out of someone else's hand and putting them in my mouth. Uh, The reason I I say that is maybe if you actually live with somebody else, you would have some habit where you would do that. I still don't understand, but like, whatever. First of all, I certainly don't have anyone to delegate that task to, but even if I did, even if you picked up my meds for me at the pharmacy, I'm not taking anything out of your hand in an unlabeled bottle and putting it into my mouth. And the fact that we see straight away from episode two, or who knows, maybe it's in episode one and I missed it, but we see that Iju is savvy enough to spit her pills out and keep hiding them. And this knucklehead is just taking them from his wife every time i'm like are i mean we know you're stupid but how much more stupid could you be you know what i think that is actually a reflection of what marriage is like and what it looks like because you assume or he assumes really that his wife is there to serve him and she has she automatically has his best interests at heart because Whatever he's able to bring in, it is a win for both of them and vice versa. So when she comes in and she's like, oh, here's your meds, it's pretty much to them. Here's your keys. You know, I'm taking care of everything for you. And he actually says that. He's like, yeah, go ahead and do what you've been doing. Take care of everything. I hear you. But that would make sense if there was any reason to believe they loved each other they're not giving care about each other vibes ever to be clear it's not like they they seem like enemies right but uh, a loveless marriage it was advantageous right so yes i completely agree with you carol that a man like him would have no reason to assume anything is not going to go his way however however even if you think this woman lives to serve you so she arranges for your medicine you you can't open the bottle you really can't. You have no idea what it is. It's unlabeled. You've been doing this for how many years? Why? Very strange. Right. What are your predictions for the show? I'm out. I'm out of predictions because episode six, it was like the shebang of all shebangs. It was like, what? what is happening here? As soon as the club, <laughs> as soon as that club scene happened, 
and Yura kissed Sehook on the cheek, I was like confused, so deeply <laughs> confused. See, I saw that as manipulation. Like she, yep, that was definitely a move for her, and she just needed to release some steam, and that's why they had their one night stand. I do feel like Yura will end up with him. I at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. However, I think for me, the reason the reason it surprised me is not because I I don't believe her capable of manipulation, but because she is so inherently convinced of her superiority. Yeah. That I find it hard to believe that she would even think, even drunk and angry, that she would stoop to him. Right. Girl, that's, the, that's the thing for girl. me that's unbelievable. The mm-hmm. fact that she kissed his cheek to begin with was like, but you've you've treated him like a roach this whole time. So I don't know what you drank in that club that suddenly made you willing to kiss a roach. Like it was strange to me. The fact that okay. they slept together from there was even stranger because again, she acts like she is the most precious thing on planet Earth, and even her own mother is not good enough for her. So it. it I'm not surprised by having a one night stand or manipulating a man. I'm just surprised that she was not utterly disgusted by him mm-hmm. and okay. allowed him in her presence for that. Do long. you think? Do you think it was a way of her doing her own little revenge against, in her mind, sleeping with the ex? For some reason, she thought she was getting revenge back at Iju? her sister, like Iju. That hadn't occurred to me. I don't know. I don't know. I I think, again, just her whole demeanor of repulsion towards him makes it hard for me to believe that she would sacrifice herself for that type of revenge. So what I thought she was doing, I thought she was manipulating. I thought she was basically giving him what he wanted so he would, like, be her puppy the rest of the time in case she needed something done. Oh, I agree. That's what that's where I thought I thought that was the strategy between her choice of sleeping with him because he really wanted even though he hasn't been acting like it I think he still likes her more than Iju. yeah I agree that that's where the kiss on the cheek started mm-hmm. and her reaction the morning after also confused me especially relative to his so I, I genuinely, this is one of those things where I'm like, I have no predictions. I'm very, very curious where they are going to take this and what um, Sehook is going to do when he realizes that Yura is engaged to, yeah. you know, evil step, uh, half-brother. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to his reaction. <laughs> As we wrap up, I suppose we can talk about our kiss scene. Which one? Which one, girl? Which one? (laughs) Okay, chronologically, the first one where he's like, give me a hug. Let's hug it out. And then she goes up to kiss him. And then he pulls her in for part two. I was like, ooh, ooh. Yep. Okay. Love that. Love that. But today's episode, I was a little confused by how it all went down because (laughs) agreed same (laughs) because she kept insisting that she doesn't like him um she is not checking for him 
And then all of a sudden, he's like, let me just clear your mind. I was so confused by that. (laughs) She literally is like sobbing and then kisses him out of the blue. And again, it's one of those things where like, I could see, I could almost see where they're heading here. Like she's just so overcome with emotion. And now she suddenly realizes there's someone there for her. Except that's not what you wrote, y'all. That's literally not what you wrote. That's not the buildup you gave us. This came out of nowhere and she wasn't know, drunk. Right. And I I mean it, it was like the beginning of that scene, that second night of their honeymoon. Um, it was funny because Dogo's saying, like, oh, you you think you do, you can't control yourself uh with me next to you in bed? Are you gonna pounce on me? And then of course she pounces on him. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But I, I it was just like, I'm not mad at this development, I'm mad at the 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 situational context that it was put in it, it was just weird and it was mm-hmm. not actually sexy um which was kind of a bummer because i think it really could have been yeah yeah i think they have good enough chemistry that it could have come off that way yeah right caitlin yeah i mean i didn't mind that it happened like it wasn't like it was i wasn't like weirded out on the context or everything but i do agree i think the reason why i wasn't i guess weirded out was like she actually does like him i think she just hasn't she either knows that she likes him but because of the timer at the time she didn't know that he had a timer too but like she does not know what's going to happen when that runs out so she doesn't want to get attached to anybody and then if she dies like what is she gonna do you know Um, and I think that was more of like, that was an understanding that I had. It's very clear. She actually does like him, Mm -hmm. but I kind of wish that they would have had that conversation. Um, Right. I mean, like they kind of did, but they didn't. They didn't. Uh, He said it. Yeah. She definitely never did. (laughs) Exactly. So I kind of wish that they like, it makes sense in terms of timing. We're halfway through, like something needed to happen, but I kind of wish they had a more, emotionally driven conversation with her at least admitting she likes him it's not saying she doesn't have to say i love you but she just has to explain because she he's like he literally says in like episode five maybe four where it's like you have a boundary like why do you have this boundary like i need to know why yeah like they just need they need to have some communication to explain like where they're going who needs communication when you're on the beach? Right. You can take your shoes off and run in the waves <laughs> and the love of the right woman instantly cures your trauma and fear. Oh, no. Of course they don't need communication. They have insta love <laughs> and insta trauma cure. So they're good. They're totally yeah. fine. <laughs> what a way to end this. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for joining me. We have talked, I think this is one of my longest podcasts, so I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, So far, out of five stars, how would you rate this drama? I would say four. I I mean, I, I I think it's fair to say, like, I'm enjoying it immensely. It's just there's a lot of stuff I want that to be found out and to be said and granted there's still six episodes but yeah I, I it's pretty high it's enjoyable i like it a lot i agree i would say a solid four uh this is not a drama i would come to for like the feeling of indulging in art 
you're, you know, and that's fine because that's not every drama. It doesn't have to yeah. be that. This is incredibly entertaining. Yes. It is very fun. It is not nightmare inducing, which is important <laughs> for me, <laughs> you know, and this is to me seems incredibly rewatchable as well. Yeah. Um, so... This is a good, this is a good drama. Like if, if you are, have somebody that approaches you and is like, Hey, I like revenge soapy like shows this is a good intro to k-drama that's true that's true that's true yeah yes you're gonna get you're gonna get all the tropes yeah they're very accessible um yeah for sure yeah i'd rate it a four out of five too so i'm excited to see what happens in the next six episodes and really how they come to a resolution when their time runs out so i want i want to see people burn I want to see. Yep. I yep. want to see jail time, public humiliation, um, maybe people actually crippled. I want to see it all. Yep, yep. I want to see Yiju running Hanwell Group. To be very yeah. honest, and uh, Yura and her mom on the streets <laughs> because that's all they deserve. I'm thinking she's gonna. Her mom at least is probably gonna end up in jail. Like she still has to blow up the gallery. She kind of did, but hasn't really. That's true. That's the true. streets are too good for them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't deserve the streets. <laughs> All right, you two. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Nah, Caitlin, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at kdramabingo. Uh, you'll find my link tree there for all the other places, but I'm mostly on Instagram. I have uh, Trope Tuesday content about drama tropes that fans love and love to hate. I've got my Wednesday watch list and then Fan Fridays that feature uh, lots of different awesome people in the K-drama fandom, including Carol and Caitlin. So I hope you will join me over there. Yay. Thank you. Caitlin? And you can find me on all social media platforms, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok nowadays, I think. Uh, under No Sleep, the number four dramas. Uh, I also run a blog with that same name where you can find the links of that on my social media to get to the blog website. All right. If you've stayed with us till the end, please let us know what you thought of the drama or what you think of the drama and of this episode you can find me on instagram threads and tiktok i'm carol see you on the internet somewhere bye bye, bye.